0: There are Christians that they live like a Christian during Sunday, but from Monday to Saturday, they live like just as the world, just like the world. So you see, it doesn't work that way. Please turn with me to Judges chapter 13. We're going to be looking into one of the judge, in the book of Judges, and his name is Samson, and we will... Uh, learn from his life uh, things that uh, we can apply in in our time today, and especially in our lives. So judges chapter thirteen. So you can read with, uh, uh, along with me and uh, or uh, you can as I read, it's just only one verse. And then uh, we will go through the four chapters uh, tonight. But uh, in verse 1, the word of the Lord says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. Now, the life of Samson is recorded, in, as what I've said, in chapters 13 to 16. And out of all the judges that you will learn from this book, personally, I think, Samson is the worst. Um, however, though, though uh, his life was a series of breaking God's commandments, the Lord still used, uh, used him to accomplish his purpose to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So you see, it's not about the people In the book of judges it's god making his promises faithful to his people so even though the judges here and we can see in their lives that they're constantly messing up still god used them to accomplish uh, what his purpose to the life of israel's and in this in context in the hands of the philistines now samson was the last judge that was mentioned in the book of judges And don't think of a judge um, that has a black robe, you know, with a gavel in his hand. But a judge in the book of Judges was a regional political, a political military leader. And their charge was to deliver God's people from the hands of their oppressors. Now, as we look on the life of Samson tonight, we can learn very important principles that are still true for you, and me today because that's the truth of god it transcends to our, to all the times of this world his word will stay forever but uh we go if we before we go in to this passage let us pray first dear heavenly father we thank you for the privilege that we have and even the the bible that we have in in our time and i know that there are lots of uh, people that don't have this pr- privilege as we have today. But Lord, we, th- we ask that you would speak into our hearts as we deal with the life of Samson. I pray, Father, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would move our hearts to do something, and that you would help us, Lord, to get out from this place, change, or wanting to be changed, for at least. And Father, we ask everything that you will be with us and bless our service tonight in christ's name amen now in the book of judges there are 12 judges that god used to accomplish his plan so there's 11 men and one woman for about 350 years these judges led the children of israel which in this period we see several cycles of disobedience of god's people now if you look into the screen um, you have their uh, cycle, so it's, it's numbered there one to, 1 to 5. So if you can see their first sin, the people of Israel would rebel against God, and basically what they've d- been doing is uh, the, the, uh, the um, top of their disobedience is about sin. Uh, it's about um, pagan worship, and they begin, uh, they begin to worship some, uh, the same pagan gods Of the nations around them and so and and they would uh, number two servitude and they would suffer the painful uh, painful consequence of that because god will deliver them from the oppressors and then afterwards they would cry out to the lord so they would begin to cry out to the lord for help and so we can see a supplication there and of course because god is faithful to what he had promised to his people he would respond by sending a judge and uh, who would deliver them after that but after that the uh, miraculous de- deliverance the uh, the people will return to god and so there's salvation and when the people return to god there's of course silence but when the judge die they would rebel again and the cycle would start all over again so that's what you can see Every single time when there's a judge that will be uh, introduced in the book of Judges. Now, for Samson, the pagan enemy in, in, um, in Samson's day were the Philistines. And this particular group of people had tried to invade uh, Egypt. And after being, uh, you know, the invade Egypt after being forced out from their homeland in Greece. And they were defeated by the Egyptians, of course. So they moved up southward towards the coastal plain of Israel. And uh, even until this day, they're they're there. Uh, But instead, um, but you see, when they move up to the coastal plain of Israel, uh, they, instead of using military force to win over Israel, they use a powerful weapon known as assimilation. Now, if you don't know what assimilation means, well, it's basically a, a, the process of becoming a part or making someone become part of a group, country, society. Now, to, uh, and that's uh, for, because of the Cambridge di- Dictionary. Well, how is assimilation worked in, in the time of Samson? And not just, I think, in the time of Samson, but in the time of the, during the judges. Now, the Philistines has the ability to smelt iron, and that's what they do. So, if an Israelite farmer wanted a new modern axe or a plow, because most of them are farmers, if not shepherds, he had to go to the Philistines' blacksmith. So that's what they would, they would do. And their business was more than welcome. And they l- liked the Israelites to intermingle with them. And furthermore, they wanted the Israelites to learn to depend on them. So, for example, also, if a young Israelite man wanted a wife, the Philistines were happy to provide one. So it was an intentional merging of cultures if you will, to which the Israelites lose their unique identity as God's people. The reason why that God placed them in the Holy Land or Promised Land is to become different, to become unique compared to the other nations around them. But the thing is, because of this assimilation thing, the people of Israelites, the people of Israel lose their unique identity as God's people, just like parasites, slowly eats its host. The assimilation of the Philistines worked. And Israelites became like the Philistines. And let me show you this point. In, and of course, in Judges chapter 13, verse 1. And if you read with me, you can help me read uh, this uh, verse 1. And because I want you to show show something um, uh, to show something here and just even just in verse 1 we can right off the bat see what's going on here so verse 1 let's begin reading and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years now if you notice in verse 2 right away there's a um, a story of a man and uh, of course um, named Manoah and his wife uh, was barren. And so if you notice something based upon that, uh, that uh, uh, picture that I, saw, uh, I told you uh, earlier, the cycle of uh, disobedience of God's people, what is missing? What do you think is missing? I think you can see there there's no crying out for God. Correct? Because right away, right off the bat, you can see a, 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 a story of a man named Manoah. There's nothing whatsoever that's mentioned that the children of Israel cried out for God to help. But you can see 40 years of oppression, that's really long. And you did, they did nothing. However, if you look in the previous, like Othniel, Deborah, Ehud, Gideon, all of those judges, before, they rose, before God called them to deliver Israel, the, the, the Bible would tell us that they call to God and cry out for help. But this is really different. And there was no groaning under oppression. Why? Because things were going well. Too well things were going too well for the israelites and the philistines and thanks to those iron plows and axes and the philistine girls these two led uh, the, these two things led the children of israel to completely adopt and adapt the values and customs of the philistines and much worse of all their idols and so there is a in biology you can call this, correct uh, me if I'm wrong, but a symbiotic relationship that they have benefit with each other, and specifically mutualism. But before we dive into Samson's life, I want you to to learn a very important, prominent theme in the in the in these passages, especially in in verses 13, uh, chapter thirteen to chapter sixteen. And that is God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. No matter how things may look, God is in control. And this is what we can learn in, in the life of Samson and in the events that happened in his life. In spite of Samson's many weaknesses, sexual sin, mingled with enemy, and uncontrollable temper, God still used him to bring about a, confront, a confrontation between the Philistines and the Israelites. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, there are instances here that God empowered Samson, and we will look into that later on, but it does not mean that he endorsed their sinful life. It doesn't mean that at all. But I'm just saying that God is still sovereign because he is in control of everything. And that he can use the weaknesses of the people of God and still accomplish what he had promised to his people. Now before Samson was born, we are told in the passage that God told the parents of, Sam, uh, the, the, of uh, parents that Samson shall be a Nazarite to him from the womb. And we can read that in the angel and verse three, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto, unto the woman and. and and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and no razor shall come, come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God before from from the womb now the full description of a Nazarite vow you can uh, find that in the book of numbers chapter 6 if you have time later on you can read that and you can uh, uh, study with with regards to that but both in in numbers chapter 6 we are told there that both uh, men and women can make a Nazarite vow Now there are three main stipulations when it comes to the Nazarite vow. The first one: Nazarites are commanded not just not to drink wine, but they must stay away from grapes or vineyards altogether. The second: Nazarites must not cut their hair. And number three: Nazarites must not to have any contact with any dead body. So those are three stipulations in the nazarite vow now usually this vow was taken by a person for a limited period of time but samson's but in samson's case it was given to him before he made any decision and it was given to him for life now what's the very significant of of the nazarite vow for us to us christians And because, as what I've said, we were learning principles that we can see in his life and also actually echoed that uh, truth in our day. And so you can see the first principle that we are called to live a holy life. That's the first principle that we are going to learn tonight. The first principle is that we are called to live a holy life. Now, the meaning of Nazarite uh, means to be separated and you can see that in in even in the the verse is here uh, verse 5 for the child shall be a nazarite unto god from the womb and nazarite has almost same meaning with the word holy which means sanctified so like samson We are called to be separated from the world's way of life. Now, we are not called to mimic the world's life as what the Israelites did with the Philistines. But as Christians, we we are to mimic what God's will in our lives. And that's why we are different, correct? When we are in this world, we are different. We are not like the world. So as Christians, we have a higher calling than the pursuit of happiness here in this world and it is the pursuit of holiness now if you if you have your bibles in ephesians chapter one let's go there you can uh, make uh, probably a bookmark the judges the book of judges and uh, let's go to ephesians chapter one verse four and this is very very clear here in this passage so ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 the word of god says according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love at the same time in first peter chapter 1 verse 15 to 16 but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation meaning a way of life manner of life because it is written be ye holy for i am holy so you see god expects every christian to live a holy life he made and saved us for him so we are not just christians during church services let me remind um, probably you forgot but we are not just christians during church services we're not just christians when we are surrounded with church people we are not just christians when things going well and very convenient in our lives because that's not uh, christianity that is the mindset of the world that is the mindset of the world now going back to samson his life supposed to be separated unto the lord because that's what he was called to do however we see worldliness in his life as well and that's why i said think of all the judges he's he's really the worst of all the judges that god has called but anyway like the israelites around him samson became like the pagan world of his today now the first and foremost that we can see um this is can be argued but his name was was uh he he was named after the god of the philistines now we know we understand already that the main god the chief god of the philistines if you read the bible is Dagon. he is like a fish uh, god and um but um, uh, one of the gods of the philistines as well is sun samson's name was derived from a hebrew word means sun so Shemshon, Shem but it's in the root word shemesh which means sun or sunlight and his that's uh, the sun was considered one of the gods of the philistines along with Dagon, baal and ashtoreth and there are two explanations to that with regards to his name but um, if you look into that possibility of this that samson's name was given to him by his parents in honor to the sun god of the philistines and if this is true this gives us the indication that his parents may had become worldly also and honestly we don't know exactly where his parents got samson's name but think of it if that is true god's deliverer was named after a pagan deity and this is kind of manifestation of the assimilation that I've mentioned earlier. The second one, he chose a wife from a pagan culture. Now, like many other uh, Israelite young men, he chose a Philistine. Worldliness really gets a hold in Samson's heart. And we will learn more about uh, this kind of principle uh, uh, in, our th- in our third principle later on but when worldliness you see when worldliness surrounds your life right you don't know anymore if things you're doing if if the things you do are pleasing in the sight of god you can't detect that anymore and why because you are more focused on what the things that of what are the things good in your sight or what makes you happy in your own sight and worldliness crept in into crept into your life and sadly a lot of churches as well became worldly they are willing to lower the biblical standards just as to win the attendance of the people when you use worldly methods when you use more worldly methods what kind of people you think you will get Guess what? Worldly people, of course. Worldly people. And I think this is a very powerful strategy. And if you look also, spiritually speaking, this is a very powerful strategy of Satan himself. Assimilation. Now, Satan doesn't care if you said that you're a Christian. He doesn't care. Because he knows it, right? If you know that you're a Christian, Satan himself knows well. As long as you don't live what you've said, he's happy about it. And that's why what he will do, if you notice, he would put some worldliness, a little worldliness into your life there. And then afterwards, he he would also again put worldliness a little bit there and there in your life. And you see, and eventually you will see your life as like of the world itself your standards, okay, the way you dress, the way you think, it's become like the world. It's the same as what the Philistines did in the, in the lives of the Israelites, assimilation. And you see the point here? That's the powerful tool of Satan. But remember, we are in the world, yes. But the Bible says that we are not to be like the world. Our relationship in Christ, especially what he did for us, should motivate us to live a different life, so much so that we stay, stand out. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 says, that ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So that's what we're supposed to live, to be a light. Now, looking back, now let's go back to the, judge, to the book of Judges in chapter, um, chapter 13, verse 5, and we can see the second principle here. So, the first principle, we are called to live a holy life. And the second principle is that we exist to serve Him. Now, look with me in the last portion of verse 5, because uh, here you can see that for the child shall be a nazarite unto god from the womb and he shall begin to deliver israel out of the hand of the philistines now this was god's charge to samson and this was his main ministry if you will that god had prepared for him to do in advance if you look on his uh, in his life Samson's, samson was kind of a wedge kind of a wedge to counteract the assimilation and that's what's happening in between Israel and the Philistines. And you will notice that there are several times that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson and he can do extraordinary things what a normal person can't do. Now, look with me in chapter 13, verse 25. 13, verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zora and Ishtel. Uh, look with me in also in chapter 14, verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Now, this is about the... Lion and he just ripped the lion into two. I don't know about you, but uh, that's pretty strong man here. Uh, Chapter fourteen, verse nine, and fourteen, verse nineteen. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which expounded. The riddle, and his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. And again, in chapter 15, verses 14 to 15, chapter 15, verses 14 to 15. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flocks that was burned with fire and his bands loosed uh, from of his hands and he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith now, Samson's actions if you look into his life led a blood uh, a blood feud that caused more and more conflict and finally the division between the two nations was desperately needed so that was his call to make a to be a wedge to separate that culture and the way of life the way of life of between the israelites and the philistines and i believe that samson could have been used by god more in a miraculous way of uh, uh, way of life just what he did to the philistines however however because of his sinful actions and irreverence to god He loses the great opportunity to serve God. And if you go into Philippians chapter 1, we we don't have a time, but uh, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. The Bible says, Being confident on this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When you got saved, God started a good work in you every single one of us here if we are saved god started a good work in us since the very first day when we were born and 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 in fact even before you got saved god is moving people events in your life so that you will respond to the gospel and he is the one that is doing that he began a good work in our lives and we are we we can say confident and we can you know stand to god confidently that God will continue that good work and he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ that's his promise that's his promise and since God started a good work in us he expects us to serve him right i mean that's the right thing to do of all the things that he have done he expects us to serve him you know when you read Romans chapter 16 you don't have to read it today but Paul in Romans chapter 16 there's a lot of names there actually paul commends many people in this chapter because not only did he know them but he also knew what they had done in the service of their savior they loved the lord and therefore they served him in 1 corinthians chapter 12 romans chapter 12 Ephesians chapter four, we are told that God gave us spiritual gifts to serve Him, and not just Him, but others as well. Now, if you haven't if you haven't figured out your spiritual gifts yet, then why? The question is why. Or if you know your spiritual gifts, then the question is, are you using it for God, for His glory? Now, I strongly encourage you, in light with that. Spiritual gifts to common Wednesday prayer meeting we um, We're learning about spiritual gifts and you know pastor white is uh, doing a great series with regards to that to this subject spiritual gift So come and join us um, uh, Join us with uh, on that during Wednesday now. Let's go to the to Timna so we have the first first um, first principle that we are called to live a holy life we exist to serve him to serve god but here in in timna there's another principle that's very important principle that we can learn here in chapter 14 judges chapter 14 and uh, i'll be reading verses 1 1 and 2 and samson went down to timna and saw a woman in timna of the daughters of the philistines and he came up and told his father in his And his mother and said i have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the philistines now therefore get her for me to wife i mean that's that's a bold statement there um it's like um he went to window shopping and find a woman and uh, he wants to make a uh, have a bride already so that's what he did but the third principle that we can learn here is that we um and this is also for those who are young Christian, um, who is planning probably to get married. If you're married, well, you are, uh, you're married for life because that's what God intended you, uh, you know, that's His will. But uh, the third principle is to choose a spouse within your faith. Choose a spouse within your faith. Now, choosing a spouse is a crucial in life is so crucial in life that it should not be based on our will but god's will and samson followed his deceitful heart and chose a wife from a pagan culture now samson's parents warned him of breaking god's command commandment and you can we can read that in in deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 3 and 4 the word of god says neither shalt thou make marriages with them talking about the canaanites around them thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son for they will this is the very big reason here that for they will turn away thy son following me that they may serve other gods so will the anger of the lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly now but you see in in chapter 14 samson was not willing to listen he said get her for me for she pleaseth me well and this reminds me with the book of proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 that says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death i must hasten to say though that the issue here is not an interracial marriage This is not an issue of interracial marriage. The Bible doesn't say against that. The issue here is about interfaith marriage. Because even the book of Deuteronomy really clearly says that. When spouses don't share the same faith in the real and true God, they pull in the opposite direction. That's the reality of it both have different values they don't serve the same savior and lord who is the lord jesus christ they can't share the same intimacy towards god and they can not experience oneness in him so this is a great warning to young christians of marrying age today they should take heed of god's warning and follow God's will instead of their own will. Now, in chapter sixteen, in in chapter sixteen, uh, Judges chapter sixteen, Samson went to Gaza. He found what did because the first marriage didn't work. He went to Gaza, found a harlot, slept with her. Not satisfied with the harlot, Samson again loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, mentioned in mentioned in uh, verse four. Whose name was Delilah, and there, here we can, we know his uh, their story very well. And after constant nagging of Delilah, Samson gave in and told her the secret of his impossible strength. Now, of course, his hair is not the source, the real source, of his strength. His strength lies in the Lord. For his hair. Along with the other conditions of his Nazarite vow are only the outward manifestations of his faithfulness and obedience to the covenant that he made between him and God. As long as he lived the Nazarite vow, he he has that uh, testimony that he lived a faithful life and he obeyed the word of God breaking all those conditions signifies how deep his relationship to god went down if you look into his life he break all of those it doesn't care if he break those he here we have a great example that marrying a man or a woman who is outside your faith will bring bring so much pain and trouble now i heard excuses or something well how about this couple and that couple they worked it out i mean just ask them how pain and trouble they've been through if they have different um uh, faith and we should not trust our unstable emotions in uh, we should not trust our unstable emotion instead we should follow the instructions of god in the bible there's a reason why God, I always, I always say this to the college career, that um, there's a reason why God placed our brains here over our hearts. Because God, I think, God doesn't want us to be led by our hearts. Because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Or rather, we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god in our lives now for our fourth and last principle tonight fourth principle use your strength for god's work use your strength for god's work now samson's consi- uh, samson considered to be the strongest man in the bible and ever lived here on earth well who can match his strength i mean he can tear the lions in half with his bare hands, single handedly kill a thousand people with the use of a jawbone of an ass, carry the two gate posts on his shoulder, and bring down the massive pagan temple. I mean, this guy is super strong. But I also know a strong man also who lived around the late 19th century and uh, early 20, 20th century. His name is Luis Seer. I'm, I'm not sure if you know him, but Luis Sear was born in Quebec, Canada. And according to the former International Federation of Bodybuilding and Fitness, Chairman Ben Wider, Sear was one of the strongest men uh, man ever. Now, his reputation as a strong man includes lifting a platform on his back holding uh, 18 men for a total of 4,336 pounds, and that is 1,967 kilograms. It's almost two tons. On his back, a platform. On the top of the platform, there's 18 men. Another one lifting 534 pounds and uh, that is 242 kilograms weight on one finger. Another one pushing, pushing a freight car up uh, on an incline. I, I know about you, a freight car is very heavy. But he, he actually pushed the car in an incline at 19 years old. He lifted a rock from ground to his shoulder, officially weighted at 514 pounds or 233 kilograms. And lastly, he bent press, not bench press, but bent press press for a total of 273 pounds or 124 kilograms. If you don't know bent press, um, I'm not really good at that. Pastor Ivan will help you with that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just ask him what's bent press. Uh, he's, so, but however, this guy, if you can see his accomplishments, man, this guy is also strong. But he died at the age of 49 due to the excessive eating and inactivity. I'm not sure if he was saved or not. But, those, but you see, strong men do exist. Strong men do exist, but many of them use their strength for their own benefits. Samson, I believe, is far stronger than Seir, but sadly, he did not use his strength properly. We must also remember that his strength came from God, and without God, he is as strong as, he has as, strong as many ordinary men. I even believe that samson was not big and bulky i even believe that because you know not just like louis seer if you look louis seer's picture he's really big but for samson i think he's is like an ordinary guy and that's why people were amazed with his ability and strength but of course because of the spirit of god's of god um, uh, he have that power and, and God empowered him and many were amazed of his strength. And I believe Samson repented and acknowledged and acknowledge that he did what he did was not pleasing in the sight of God. Sadly, his blindness led him to see the foolish and rebellious life he had lived. I believe Samson was saved and um i know i read i read um several books that they said um samson was, is unsaved but i do not think so because paul counted him as one of the heroes of faith in the book of hebrews chapter 11 and he did it by faith he was a servant of the lord now in conclusion tonight we have learned four principles out from the life of samson first we are called to live a holy life. Christianity is not a feel-good and a part-time life. You know, sometimes um, there are Christians that they live like a Christian during Sunday. But from Monday to Saturday, they live like just as the world. Just like the world. So you see, it doesn't work that way. Being a Christian is a full-time and a lifetime. And even... Far greater in eternity we do and serve and live for for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second one, we exist to serve God. He did not save us for no reason. So the question is, do you serve him? If not, why? And when? And are you using your spiritual gifts to serve him and others? The third one choose a spouse within your faith young men and women you have the ve- you have to be very careful when it comes to choosing your spouse and i believe and i believe god will show it to you who is his will for your life i totally believe that and the fourth one use your strength for god's work no matter who you are And what age group you belong or what status of life may be you may be you have strengths that god gave to you so that you can use it for him plus god gave us spiritual gifts and that's why we can we cannot like really say you know i can't be used by god never commit the same mistake of thinking that you you are useless and cannot uh, contribute something for the work of the Lord. That's the lie of Satan. And he wants you to believe it. So don't wait for so long because this is the only time. If you really think of it, this is the only time that we have to serve God. This is our opportunity. This is it. Like let's say if you live 70 80 90 years like this is our opportunity to serve him but of course we can serve we can serve god also for throughout eternity and then and probably a lot of some carnal christians would say yeah i'll just serve god in eternity well here god gave us the opportunity to serve him and we have only one life and only what's done for christ will last Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.